five years ago, we were having this conversation and I got some of the highest praise of my life, or at least I thought it was, because Serena told me, she's like, you work even harder than me. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm doing it right. And she was like, that was not a compliment. You need to understand you need boundaries. Hello, everyone. I'm Arianna Huffington, and welcome to What I've Learned. On this episode, Alexis Ohanian on the difference between prayer and meditation and why we really need to get rid of hustle culture. Pioneer is a word that's so overused in the tech world, but Alexis truly is a pioneer, and in so many ways. In 2005, he co-founded Reddit, now the third largest website in the U.S. Since then, he's been an investor and a venture capitalist, and last year he launched a new venture fund called 776, named after the year 776 BCE, the year of the first Olympic Games. Because as he says, the Olympics are the pinnacle of sports and of equity. The idea is to bring a new level of empathy and intentionality to tech and startups. He's been a pioneering voice against hustle culture in the startup world, saying that a culture of posturing that glorifies working every hour of every day is one of the most toxic and dangerous things in tech right now. He also has his own podcast, Business Dad, where he explores how high-achieving dads manage their work and family lives. His own family includes his wife, Serena Williams, and their amazing daughter, Olympia. So, Alexis, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Thank you, Ariana. I just love everything you are doing. I love reading you, listening to the podcasts, looking at all the things you're invested in, both financially and in terms of your heart and soul. So let me start with a question you tweeted recently, asking if prayer was a form of meditation. Then you started Googling it and you found that it's actually a contentious question. Who would have thought? So what did you find out and what side are you on? Okay, so I still don't know what side I'm on. It was very interesting, even in the replies to my tweet, people who had very strong opinions about what the difference was. And, you know, some people talked about the duration, how they believed for it really to be meditation. It had to be for some prolonged period. Whereas if you're just doing some good night prayers, you know, for 30 seconds or a minute, it doesn't quite count. But the thing that I liked about where that Venn diagram overlapped that I found really interesting was a kind of mindfulness and centeredness and focus on really the sort of essence, whether it was an absence of ideas or a singular word, a mantra that you're repeating, or a conversation with a higher power. What I liked about this and what I've started bringing more into my life, frankly, only when I had a kid, was finding time in the day to take moments of appreciation. Both my wife and I are doing this because we want our daughter to be appreciative. That was the intent from the start, right? Let's make sure we're doing prayers before a meal because it's a moment to just say like, hey, look, we're grateful for what we have. And likewise, the end of the night uh, when she goes to bed. And candidly, it wasn't something I did as a kid. Now, as an Armenian, it is impossible to have an Armenian identity without religion. 
because so much of Armenian identity is tied to the Armenian church and to persecution. So I understood a relationship to religion, but I didn't have regular prayer. But through Olympia's eyes now, it's something that I enjoy doing with her, not just for the appreciation, but actually for the peace. And I'm trying to now find moments in my own day where I can build routine. And for me now, it's been in the morning. I walk around the yard here, usually with a cup of coffee and find a place to just hang out and sit and just listen and absorb a few minutes before the day um, really takes off. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm older, maybe it's because I'm a dad now, but these are the things that I'm really trying to do just as mindfully as I do think about what I eat and what I drink. I really do believe it actually makes me better at the work I do. It makes me better at being a husband and a father. And especially after this last year, I've been really, really grateful for the times that I get to just frankly have to myself and to have even a few minutes to take a breath and pause and reflect and meditate or pray or whatever, <laughs> whatever we're going to end up calling it. I've been saying this loudly for a while, and I'll say it one more time because I'm on your podcast. This has gotten very in vogue of late for Silicon Valley. Last couple of years, we've really started to see a lot of folks even building businesses around it and really hyping it up. And even VCs like me are talking about it very actively. But you were really one of the OGs in the space who was talking about this, writing books about this, building businesses about this kind of mindfulness and thoughtfulness and the value of sleep and all this stuff long before the Silicon Valley bro crowd, before all of us were, were hip to it. So I, I applaud you for that. Well, you know, as a Greek, you're Armenian, I'm Greek. Mm -hmm. So we were brought up. We're cousins. Um, <laughs> with religion and God mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. all around us, uh, not just on Sundays. Mm -mm. But my passion always was to find uh, the essence that all religious and all wisdom traditions shared. So I ended up, you know, at 17, studying comparative religion in an ashram in India that was founded by Rabindranath Tagore, you know, the Indian poet. And this changed my life. And in a sense, everything I've done since is about how do we find that center in us, that every religion, uh, whether Christianity or Judaism or Islam or the Tao in China or Zen in Japan, uh, you know, basically proclaims as the esoteric truth, which is that we all have that place in us of wisdom, peace and strength. And most of the time we are disconnected from it, but it's there for us to connect. So when you talk about these moments of stillness, these moments we take to connect with uh, nature or ourselves are really uh, foundational in terms of how we do our, the rest of our lives. And did you find that this pandemic year made it easier to connect with yourself in that deeper way? I think it did. My normal year, I could be traveling two, three times a week. And with the nature of the work that I do, it's nonstop. And, and I think like a lot of folks, being forced to be in one place, being forced to really assess where you're spending your time and your focus opened up the opportunity to do it. I also know how lucky I was to be in South Florida where we've got a big yard, we've got space. So having the ability to get some physical space, some, some time for myself made it all happen. And then I think the biggest trend that I hear from employees, that I hear from founders now is because we've obliterated the boundaries between work life and home life and coming out of this now, the ways that we're going to change our attitudes and support for parents 
and we know women have taken on a disproportionate share of parenting during this pandemic, to be able to get this time for self-care, for mental health restoration. I hope we in the United States start to be more candid, be more open about these conversations around mental health, start to, as business leaders, invest in more things for our employees, for our team members to support this, and really, really acknowledge the fact that women carry a disproportionate share of that burden on top of the physical side of it, but the mental side of it, because that's that's real emotional work, right? Worrying about and the stress and anxiety and, and the everything about the family, the work, the everything, it carries a heavy toll. And, and I hope we can get more support. We need to get more support because it's, it's for the good of society, but also, I mean, our economy, frankly. Yeah, that's, you're so right. That's one of the big changes that's happening now and that will stay with us post-pandemic. The other big change that you were one of the first to speak out about was about hustle culture, as you called it. <laughs> yes, or hus- hustle porn is the, yes. the not and, safe for uh, workers. <laughs> you know, it's basically yeah. hustle porn. It's kind mm-hmm. of the bragging about how busy we are and how relentless we are. You know, you snooze, you lose. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I asked John Bon Jovi to rewrite those lyrics <laughs> to I'll sleep when I'm tired. Uh, I love it. But you were there ahead of the curve, pointing that out. And how has that changed uh, because of the pandemic? This speaks to the fact that there's not really been an off switch over the past year. It has been nonstop, even weekends, holidays, periods of time where we're used to having a bit of a respite. There hasn't been. And in a way, I think if we've been wrapped up in our careers during this time, we either just didn't even have the time to be bragging on Twitter about how busy we were, or maybe also we acknowledge the fact that it's really important to not be plugged in. It's really important to get some time to unplug. It always struck me as being disingenuous just because as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as an investor in founders and entrepreneurs, it is a given that one has to work hard in order to be successful at anything. It is a given. If you don't think you have to work hard to be successful as a founder or CEO, then you're not going to be successful. You're very, very misled. So the conversation shouldn't be about this made up bragging of just how hard you're working or grinding or pushing it, it should be about actually how when you are working, working very diligently and very effectively uh, and very hard, fine. But more importantly, when you're not, how you're refilling that tank, how you're refilling that battery. That's why I like posting on Instagram about my chickens. I've had investors ask, like, don't you think you should be posting a little bit more seriously about the work that you're doing? I've had back channel other venture capitalists this is about four or five years ago, say to employees of mine, like, hey, don't you think Alexis should be like, I don't know, not posting photos of taking time with his family or looking like he's not working hard? That's amazing. <laughs> and it's funny because like, yeah, if we check the receipts, I know I've outperformed uh, all of them. But I think the culture is so twisted simply because we've spent a long time being obsessed around the wrong stuff in part because people make their livelihoods on it. There are lots of great businesses that make their money making us feel insecure about not working hard enough or not having a nice enough car, not having a nice enough yada, yada, yada. And so the pandemic has, I think, shifted a lot of priorities for a lot of folks. And, and I also think as the sophistication level goes up, as more and more people really start to understand what it really takes to build 
a successful business or be a successful athlete or be a successful whatever you want to be. What they're understanding is the greats, the very best people are all talking about recovery and rest and time away whether it provides inspiration or recovery, it's valuable. And so I, th I, I think it'll be a relic of the past. Alexis, I'm learning so much talking to you today. Hold that thought and we'll pick up with more in just a minute. Sleep is the foundation of every aspect of our physical and our mental well-being. That's always true. But in extraordinary times of anxiety and stress, Getting the sleep we need is more important than ever. Sleep is essential to both a strong immune system and to our mental resilience, the very things we need to navigate these uncertain times. That's why we've partnered with Audible, the sponsor of this podcast, to create the Audible Sleep Collection. It's available for free for members and includes bedtime stories, meditations, and extended soundscapes from Nick Jonas, Sean, Didi, Combs, Kiki Palmer, and more to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up fully recharged and ready to take on whatever challenges the day brings you. And stay tuned for a preview of one of my favorite audible sleep experiences at the end of this podcast. So Alexis, you described about people in the valley alarmed that you were showing pictures of you not working, but being with your family or your chickens. It shows, you know, how prevalent that culture has been and um, why it's taken so long to change it. What has been paradoxical this year is our relationship with technology, because in one way, it's been a lifeline. We wouldn't be able to do anything without it. But in another way, it's made us more slaves to technology. And you've talked eloquently about technology being a tool and not um, a master. And Thich Nhat Hanh's great line that it's never been easier to run away from ourselves because there's so much we can be addicted to in social media, in binge watching. So how has your own relationship with technology changed over this year? I, you know, I like a lot of folks, I get that Zoom fatigue at the end of the day. I've started playing background music. I've started playing lo-fi beats, a Spotify playlist during my Zoom calls, just to give a little bit of atmosphere and a little bit more of a, just like a casual mood to even pitch meetings or, you know, office hours. Um, <laughs> And folks seem to like it. No one's pushed back on it yet. But you know, by the end of the day, yeah, it's like, let's just, let's just camera off. Can we make this a phone call? Can we, I know I want to walk around while I do this like 10th call of the day. And so I've felt that it's incredibly enabling because it's, it has in a lot of ways allowed us to be way more effective, way more productive. But for those very reasons, it's a lot harder to shut off. And, and frankly, the tools we have right now for remote work are bronze age tools because no one made them a priority. The story of Zoom and this sort of miraculous growth, that world has not seen any innovation in 10, 15 years, because it was like an addition. It was like, okay, if everyone can't make it, we'll just dial in and we'll use Skype, we'll use Google Hangouts, or we'll use Zoom. But going forward now, we're gonna have brilliant teams who now have had the lived experience of doing this full-time for a year, innovating way better ways to do this kind of work. I mean, Shamelessly Riverside is, I think, an example of that. But we're going to see a lot more for better collaboration that doesn't make us feel 
as bad as a full day of Zoom calls does today. It's certainly reevaluated the way I look at companies building software for remote work because I think that's an amazing open space now for, for better tools. And it's made me way more aware of my own daughter's relationship to technology as well. I uninstalled YouTube on her little family iPad. It's a weird cultural baggage. But growing up, there were a finite number of television shows, which ostensibly is not as good as Infinite, which is what YouTube provides. However, as a parent, especially with a three and a half year old, I really want full control over her content. And the comfort of just knowing, okay, Bubble Guppies is on. Like I can pass out for 15 minutes and I don't care and I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm being a good enough dad. Everything is fine in the world. But if that iPad has YouTube on it, I don't feel that way. And I realized that recommendation engine is designed one for a human brain. And so I don't like the idea of it giving all those dopamine hits to my child's little brain. And also some of these videos pop up and I don't feel great about them. And I don't know what it is. I think we've accidentally built some really effective tools for entertainment and distraction. I'm just picking on YouTube in particular. But there's a whole nother layer of infrastructure that we've not invested in. And then you combine that with everything we saw with school closings. And now this, frankly, a reinvention of education that's happening now. Because everyone had to learn how to teach their kids via Zoom this past year. Or or sort of hack a curriculum at home. And those tools are terrible. And that's no disrespect to the companies that are doing it. It's just there wasn't the clear and burning need of millions and millions of people saying, please give us better. And so that's another area where this sort of children's education slash entertainment is due for a major overhaul. I do think there are huge upsides that technology can provide because it can create a more intimate classroom setting. It can make a teacher's life way more efficient because they don't spend a majority of their time building lesson plans and or doing work that software can do better. Educators should spend more of their time doing the apathetic creative work and not the sort of rote grading or assignment driven work. But we haven't really built those tools out yet. And, and that's another one that's getting a huge leap thanks to this pandemic, frankly. So that's a great summing up of the paradox for the future and building awesome, amazing tech tools while protecting our essential humanity and protecting those moments of stillness in the morning. One of the things that we are working on with Zoom, we should do it with Riverside too, is integrating 60 seconds between Zoom meetings to be able to take conscious breaths. Remember what we are grateful for. Basically reconnect us with ourselves before we go back to the next meeting. And you know what I love, Alexis, is that this neuroscience that shows us that it takes 60 to 90 seconds to course correct from stress. That makes me feel so optimistic about the possibilities. It doesn't take a 20-minute meditation practice. That's great in itself. But during the day, these kind of short bursts of disconnecting from the world, reconnecting with ourselves, are amazing, accessible, and we just need to make sure we remember to practice them. I love this. Wait, so really 60 to 90 seconds? Yes, 60 to 90 seconds. So you're saying when my favorite football team loses a match, I should be able to get over it in 60 to 90 seconds? You should be able to at least get the stress cortisol (laughs) hormone out of your body. You can still grieve a little. Yes. But the cortisol hormone can be out of your body. And, you know, I bet 
Uh, the same way that you are learning a lot from being a dad and then you are bringing it to the world, I bet you are also learning a lot from being married to a, an amazing athlete, including about recovery and peak performance, right? All the time. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you the best hack that I learned five years ago, we were having this conversation and I got some of the highest praise of my life, or at least I thought it was, because Serena told me, she's like, you work even harder than me. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm doing it right. This is amazing. This is the nicest thing you could have ever said to me. And she was like, that was not a compliment. <laughs> and and that, that's how distorted my worldview was. And she said, no, I love that you work hard and you clearly love what you do and you're great at it and that's awesome. But you need to understand you need boundaries. You need to have ways to turn off and unplug or else you're not going to be your best. You're not going to be the greatest. And, and so hearing that from her, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I need to listen, right? Because an athlete needs to not just be their best mentally, but also physically. Whereas I could show up, I'm not showing up for this thing hungover and on two hours of sleep, but I could and like probably get through it well enough. But when you're doing work at that level, both mentally and physically, you can't phone it in. You can't take a day like you're there or you're not. And then, you know, it's also the most objective industry there is. We make up numbers in business for like our IRR as investors or our valuation as founders. But in sport, it's wins and losses and rankings and grand slam titles in the open era, the ones that matter. But hearing from her, this is what it takes. Am I so arrogant to think I'm the Serena Williams of business? No. Are you kidding me? So I really took this to heart. And even to this day, she'll still call me on this stuff. And she'll just be like, yo, unplug. It's going to be fine. And so it's one of the things that I still work on to this day. But I know it makes me better as a result because she said straight up, it's not a compliment that you work harder than me. It's, it's just not. I love that. So do you sleep with your phone? Not literally with it. It is my alarm clock. So it is bedside, but we have pretty strict phone boundaries in the bedroom. So that's another one that was not an easy move at all. So Alexis, I'm going to send you a little phone bed for your phone. Oh, it's like a little bed? It has a little blankie. You can put your phone under the blankie. You can say goodnight <laughs> and reconnect in the morning. And when Olympia gets her first phone, Mm -hmm. she will know that it doesn't sleep with her. Mm, it's like phone hygiene. I like it that. It sleeps in the little bed with daddy and mommy's phones. Yeah. And so it's not a punishment. Well, that's cute. I really like that. It comes in mahogany and in light wood. What do you prefer? Um, let's go with the rich mahogany. Okay, rich mahogany on its yeah. way. You know, I <laughs> love you. the way you're describing learning from your wife, your daughter, including about racial justice. It was so important to see your reaction during the George Floyd killing and the response to it and racial justice reckoning to see you and hear you talk about your responsibility to your Black daughter. As you said, as a father, I want to be able to have an answer when she asks me, what did you do? So where are you with that now? Well, I've really been making all of these business decisions since that through that lens. So I was pleasantly surprised and delighted to see a few weeks after I resigned, a Reddit banned a few thousand hate communities. They created a policy against hate on the platform, which was great to see. And I feel like, okay, this 
this definitely was the right decision. And now what are the things that I can do to make sure that everything I'm building going forward is as intentional as possible so that when I have that conversation with her in 10 years, because right now she's three and she doesn't know any better. And so she thinks I'm great. (laughs) But in 10 years, she'll be a snarky teenager and she'll have had people her entire life telling her how amazing her mother is, right? Total strangers will say, your mother changed my life for this reason. There was this moment. It changed everything. She's done so much for so many people. And that's good. And I'm very proud and happy of that. But I'm also very competitive and I'm like, all right, well, I need people to be telling you about Papa too. And my goal there is to do this work. Now it's venture capital with 776 to do this work as thoughtfully as I can, because it's something I'm good at and it's something I have some unfair advantages in. And it's, I think, probably the highest leverage way I could spend the next few decades to empower founders, to support founders, to build businesses that have far-reaching impact that is helping create a better world for her, where I can feel like this is really important. I want this to exist. And so those are the kind of businesses that I would like to invest in. And I want us to be as thoughtful as we can be about the people we hire. It's a chance to do something where I really feel like every little bit of my energy is going into something that I know is, is someone she's going to be proud of. And, and then you know, the part we haven't launched yet is the 776.org. Once some liquidity happens from Reddit, we're going to have money coming from that to actually go to uh, nonprofits in the form of grants. I already pledged the first million to Kaepernick's organization, but I actually want to take what we do at 776 for founders of for-profit companies, which is provide guidance and software and resources to help them build billion-dollar businesses. And provide that to founders of nonprofits who are sort of software or technologically minded, right? And I've gotten to know nonprofits like Watsi, New Story. These are amazing nonprofits that are very much technology first. They're having big impacts on global health or housing in those two cases. And I want to fund more of them. And that's what I want the legacy of 776.org to be. And and I want them to have the same resources that we give our for-profit companies as well. This is a 10-year, 15-year plan to impress my daughter. (laughs) <laughs> and and we're, we're early into it, but I'm really proud of the team we've built so far. I'm proud of some of the investments we made. Yeah, this is going to be my life's work. So I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do it. Well, I'm grateful to you for everything you're doing. And I'm thrilled to be an investor in 776 and uh, watch uh, not just the amazing investments, but the incredible vision both for-profit and not-for-profit. That is so key. You know, at Thrive, we talk about how giving is part of self-care. We tend to separate the two. But in fact, when we give, when we are part of something larger than ourselves, it has such a huge impact on us. So Alexis, thank you for everything. You are really leaving out the bio on your website about being a technology entrepreneur and investor who wants to be known for making this world better, much better. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I would just add the word preacher. You are also a preacher. Mm. So please keep preaching. All right, Ariana. Thank you. Thank you. I've cut it still. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna do some I'm gonna do some good preaching with that. I love that. I've not been assigned that title yet, but I will take it because I'm trying to build a movement here. So thank you for all the support. I'd like to leave you with a micro step inspired by our conversation about recovery and how it's just as necessary for us non-athletes as it is for athletes. 
Neuroscience tells us that we can course correct from stress in just 60 to 90 seconds. So after your next meeting or after you've been engaged in some focused work, set aside just a minute to focus on the rising and falling of your breath. This can lower your levels of the stress hormone cortisol and allow you to reset and recover and be ready for your next meeting or whatever challenges you have waiting for you during your day. Thank you so much for being with us today. Join us next time on What I've Learned. We all need help sometimes, saying goodbye to the day and allowing ourselves to drift off to sleep. That's why Thrive Global has teamed up with Audible to create the Audible Sleep Collection a series of guided meditations and stories from Nick Jonas, Sean Diddy Combs, and many others, including Kiki Palmer, who we are about to hear from now. The stories have no beginning, middle, or end, so you won't stay up to hear what happens next. In a bedtime story called The Story of the Ojibwe Dreamcatcher, Kiki shares the Ojibwe story of the Dreamcatcher and how its message of our connection to the natural world is still present with us today. Hello. Tonight I'm going to share with you the story of the Ojibwe Dreamcatcher. But before I begin, take a moment to unwind and get comfortable. Close your eyes and slowly take a few deep breaths. With each exhale, let the trials of the day fade away. Continue inhaling and exhaling until you feel completely relaxed. When an Ojibwe baby is born, a gift that is traditional in many families and communities is a dream catcher. The intricate web within a circle that is placed near where the baby will sleep. Dream catchers have their origin with the Ojibwe, a large tribal group of extended families and clans who live in northern woodlands a boreal homeland above and below the border between United States and Canada. If you're not asleep yet and want to hear this sleep track in its entirety, go to audible.com slash thrive to start your free trial tonight. <laughs> 